My name is Milian Mori and welcome to our podcast Warrior Family. We are a family of successful entrepreneurs, visionaries, hustlers and leaders. We are compassionate, loving, fearless and determined. We fight for love, profits and a better world. And this podcast was made for future leaders, entrepreneurs, world changers and families all over the world. We gained our wealth by running one of the best network marketing companies in Europe and successfully coaching and speaking empire. Our stories, tips will show you that everything is possible. And this podcast includes all the best sales, marketing, relationship, personal growth, and health advice you can get and interviews with the most successful people in the world. Our motto is, my business is not my family. My family is my business. And we are here to show you how to have it all. Everybody, this is Warrior Family and I'm Smilian Mori. Hey my friends, I know you are all here because you believe that we can all create and live the life worth living. But in order to do this, we must do something about it. And the purpose within this show is to bring you guests, friends, experts and give you all the strategies, the success habits, the mindset, the belief system that can help you become the person you want to become, better mother, better father, better businessman, better salesman, better man, and create and live the life worth living. Today I have a special guest. He was superstar stockbroker. He turned into the police officer like me. He trained and studied Zen from the first American Zen monks in Japan and he is master at different martial arts like Jiu-Jitsu and many others. As a warrior at heart and entrepreneur in spirit, Rafa created the Men of War. This movement is focused on forging men into warriors and getting them better ready for all phases of their lives. Rafa continues to focus on spreading the Man of War movement to warrior-minded men from all walks of life through the Man of War podcast, speaking engagements, seminars, conferences, the Warrior Development Academy, and the Warrior Breed Camp, which is being launched in the first quarter of 2019. Welcome, Rafa. Awesome. Great to be here. Welcome, Great to Rafa, be here. Welcome, Rafa, to my show. I'm here in Miami, and you were born and raised in Miami. Yes, I was. Yeah. Miami is my hometown, no doubt about it. So how you became a warrior? Is this because the environment where you were born and raised? or? Well, let me tell you a little bit about my background. Yes. Basically, yeah, I was born and raised in Miami. However, my father was studying medicine at a very young age. I was uh, two, three years old, and we moved to Spain. And throughout my between two and 13 years old, we traveled back and forth here to Miami from Spain, Miami from Spain. So I became a warrior-minded individual Mm -hmm. after I had an incident in Spain. Mm -hmm. And I decided from that point on never to let something like that happen to me again. And that incident, I'm going to go into it real quick. Basically, I was getting bread from my parents in the bakery downstairs and two gypsies kind of approached me. They put a knife to my throat. And at that point, you know, I froze, right? And I completely froze to a point where I was just, I, I couldn't move. And they took the bread and they took off. Now, from that moment on, and I walked up with my parents and I said, these kids, because they were kids, they might have been 12, 13 years old. You were 
I was eight years old. Yeah, eight years old. And I walked up to my dad, I remember, saying, these kids robbed the bread that I was bringing up. And it was a very powerful experience for me because, you know, I remember at that moment saying, this will never happen to me again because I froze and I didn't do a darn thing about it. Only eight years. And from then on, I decided, I asked my father to take me to all the karate movies, the martial arts movies, to put me into judo. And I started training in judo at a very young age. And it was, a for me, an experience that I decided to start living a warrior life, a warrior, have that warrior mindset from that point on. How did you come up with the idea to train martial arts and you were only eight years old? Well, at that point, Bruce Lee was oh, very yeah, popular. Lee, yeah. And I remember my father taking me to the Bruce Lee movies, me sitting there and be, me rooting on, yeah, yeah, that's what I want to be. I want to be able to beat the bully. I want to be able to stop bad people doing bad things, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, that was my whole element. I always wanted to be that person that was going to stand up for the innocent, that was going to stand up for the innocent souls out there. And, you know, I started training from a very young age. And from there, here I am, 35 years after that, I've been training martial arts since then. And then you got into the stockbroking business. Yes. How that happened? <laughs> well, basically, early 90s to middle 90s, I realized that the stock market, I always had a little bit of an affinity for the stock market. I had looked at the stock market as something that was very cool, the money going up and down. So I said to myself, you know what? I can use my warrior mindset, all right, to not only to fight people, right, but to use it for something very powerful, right? To manage money, to manage people's livelihood, to manage hedge funds, to manage mutual funds, to manage stocks. And the movie for, with Michael Douglas and, you know, Wall Street had just been out a few years prior. And, you know, it was a pretty cool movie, man. You, you know, the guys with the suits, you know, walking around, you know, and it was, uh, it was pretty cool, you know, like, hey, you know, millions of dollars, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. So I went, I got my certifications. Now, when I came up in the 90s, it was much different than it was now. I went in basically to a very small firm. And I remember when I walked in, the owner of the firm sat me down like you and I are talking here and said to me, son, you're only 20, I don't remember, 24, 25 years old. Are you really ready to take this on? Because if you are, you're going to be a millionaire in a couple of years. You're going to be driving. You see those Ferraris that are parked down there? You're going to be driving those Ferraris. You're going to be, I promise you, you will. You work your ass off here, and I promise you that you're going to do that. So then what I did was um, I said, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. So I started working, but I remember their techniques and their tactics. Whew, I got to tell you. All right, we did not sit down. They did not let you sit down. You were on the phone, and you were pitching and pitching, and it was a situation where you were constantly dialing numbers and dialing numbers, and you were just learning how to close people, learning how to close people. It was a numbers game. And I remember it was just a machine. You were going out there, and you were going out there constantly. I mean, 12, 15-hour days. I mean, you it wouldn't be absurd to be in the office at one o'clock in the morning speaking to people in Singapore, speaking to people in other areas of the world. Initially, when I first 
raised a couple of million dollars. Most of it came from the United Kingdom. Most of it came from overseas, yeah. So and I started developing that mindset, and it was a very, very strong mindset that I was developed in, and it was a boiler room. It was a boiler. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Boiler Room yeah. on Wall Street, but it was like that. A few years of that. Then I decided to kind of branch off and open up my own independent firm. And we went from there and things changed a little bit. And it was a little bit more honorable, a little bit more with etiquette. Mm -hmm. Now, not to make a short story long, but the reality is that when about 10 years into this, mm -hmm. I was doing very well financially. And my beautiful wife right there will tell you when I told her, listen, I want to do something good that I've always wanted to do. I want to help people. I want to be able to really, really be out there and be a warrior. I want to give of myself more. I want to be able to protect the innocent people. I want to be a police officer. Straight and down from the stockbroker to police officer. Well, you know, you're talking about living here, right? Mm -hmm. Financially and stability and, and, and then just going right down here. And uh, it took a lot of strength from her and from my family. What was the main reason I triggered? It's something right here. You know, I wanted to do something meaningful. I wanted to do something that I could really, in the end, leave a legacy. And my goal, believe it or not, was to work drugs, to work narcotics undercover, which in two years, that's what I did. I was assigned to the DEA. I was assigned to task forces that worked narcotics. You know, I worked narcotics undercover. I did a very big case that went international with the Veterans Affairs Hospital, and I worked that for a year. And I did some very good things undercover. You know, I made the SWAT team. I did some very powerful things. For me, anyways, they were very powerful. But the reality is, as a police officer, even in this country, you make a living, but you don't make a living to where I was so comfortable living before. Talking about a 500% drop, you know, in income. So that took a lot from us. And uh, one thing, though, that I did have my entrepreneur spirit. So I, I did open up a martial arts school okay. um, after that. And that was something that kept us above water. And I decided, you know, what, I need to do something even more meaningful. I need to go out there and start a movement, something that I had seen. And let me tell you what I had seen. I had seen men get emasculated in this country. I had, I mean, I have, I've traveled all over and I've taught all different types of police officer, military guys, security guys, firearms and fighting and knife fighting. And more than anything in this country, what I have found was that men were getting emasculated. And the alpha male, that warrior mindset just wasn't there. Most guys in a situation where the shit hit the fan, okay? Like bad things would happen. They would run into a corner, run you know, and hide, right? And I said, no, this is not, you know, the way that men are supposed to be. You know, men need to protect their family. Men need to step up and provide. Men need to step up and give of themselves, right? It doesn't matter how hard you work, okay? In the end, you could be a multi-billionaire, but if you can't defend your family when the time is there that you need to do it, okay, in my book, you are not a warrior. You're a successful businessman, but that's it. That's your box. That's what you live in. So 
when I started The Man of War, I wanted to create something that had the element of, okay, you can be a badass businessman, but you also need to really have the discipline to train, to protect yourself, to protect your family, have that balance. And then on top of it all, to be able to be a good father, to be able to be a good husband, to be able to be a good person to society. If you can mold that into the a reality that you live in, you're going to be a warrior. Okay, that is my definition of that modern day warrior. So I started the podcast and honestly, I would tell you right off the bat, about a year and a half ago. Wow. And I started and I said, you know, I'm going to start talking and inviting some new guys. And the next thing you know, I was having people reach out to me and say, we love it. We love it. We feel that there's, you know, so much that you have to say. We need somebody to speak for us. And... You know, I started getting people and it, great guests were, were actually, I was building relationships with these guests and just took off. And here we are today. And I decided for this event, yeah. the Conclave of Warriors in Miami, mm -hmm. it's going to be a phenomenal event. And I decided to bring together people that I thought would be a great synergy on stage. So we brought undercover agents, we brought badass entrepreneurs, we brought badass Navy SEALs, because in reality, their mindset is not that different. But at the end, I see that they all have masculine energy. Very masculine powerful. energy. I know yes. Them. Yeah. yes, yes, yes. And that is the message on this is going to be a very powerful message. And not to demean women. That's not what we're about. But we want to be able to stand up for the warrior, the man. Okay. And... I believe that this movement has flourished in a way that I believe it'll continue to get bigger and bigger and more powerful as we go. I'm glad you mentioned the like, four-dimensional man. And you have big family. You have four kids. Do you consider yourself being a good father? Or, and what is the definition of a good father for you? Well, I mean, let me put it to you this way. Every single day of my life, I try to be the best father that I can be, Me too. you know, every single day. Are there days that maybe I could have done a better job? There's no doubt in my mind. But at the end of the day, I know that what I bring to the table for my family and for my kids is everything that I have inside. They know that they are a priority. They know that there is nothing more important in life than my family, than my kids and my wife. Mm. And Sometimes the message, because I might be very busy, right? I might be very busy in whatever I'm doing, but that message sometimes doesn't come across. And I, as a man, as a good father, that I believe that I am, have to make sure that they get that message. It might only be for five minutes, okay? It might only be a hug. It might only be a goodnight kiss. It might only be communication for five minutes, but as long as they're getting that message on that specific day that maybe I wasn't able to be around as much, I believe that I'm doing my best. And I believe truly in my heart that I am a good father, yes. Do you have trouble reaching your goals? I have a surprise for you. Download my free ebook, Goal Setting for Warriors, at www.warriorfamily.com and you will know how to set, plan, and reach even your biggest goals. Have you ever had this feeling of guilt that you are not spending enough time with your kids? All the I have when I travel, I have this feeling like I'm away from home again. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's... I think it, there is a very common feeling among men, but we don't... Yeah, we don't, I mean, it... Open, it openly speak. I, I agree, I, I agree. I think that I work, my days are anywhere between... 12 and 18 hours sometimes. I have very long days. I travel at times. Um, I'm called out in the middle of the night. I'm a hostage negotiator. So I could be called out at any time. And so, yeah, I do feel. And then the times that I've traveled teaching overseas. And of course, I mean, there is that disconnect, even for a day or two, I feel like maybe I should be there more, no doubt. I agree with you in that. But what I do, I'll tell you what I do. What I do is when I come home, I make sure that no matter where I traveled, I made sure that I have a full day with my family and that I don't do a darn thing, that everything is focused with my family, whether it be spending time together, going to the beach, having a picnic, going to a movie, and then going to dinner or taking them to a museum or whatever it might be for me I feel that that is a way that I can kind of make up the few days that I was gone. It doesn't always work perfectly, but I know that I'm giving it my best. What is the hardest thing for about being a father for you, running a business? I think we just said it. I think yeah. spending time with my family. I think I wish that I had enough of it. Sometimes days go by. As a police officer, time flies. You know, um, I could tell you that we are two weeks, three weeks into the month. And honestly, time just flies, especially when I work shift hours. You know, when you're out there, I'm a uh, field training officer, so I train police officers. And days go by where you're just training, you're so focused, and you're working four days in a row and 12-hour shifts. And the time, I see that it's not there sometimes. And that is truly the toughest thing for me not to be able to spend the quality time and the amount of time that I need with my kids and my family. Yeah. They're from? 21, 19, and then I got a 12 and a 5-year-old. It's a huge difference. Yeah. How do I deal with this? <laughs> well, I mean, for free. You're a real man for the guy that is... Yeah, you gotta, my older ones, you treat them a little bit different as far as, you know, at that point, I believe in a little bit of tough love. I believe in by example, leading by example. For my younger ones, you know, it's more about giving them love, giving them, nurturing them, and kind of teaching them in a certain way that they can understand. Because of the martial arts, I come from a very traditional background, I guess, it's more about doing than saying. I'm not a big believer in talking so much. I want to be able to take action. And they know that. My kids know that. Again, you know, I'm not always perfect, but I try to do the best that I can. Three boys and one girl? Or that is correct, yeah. Three boys and one little girl. How old is uh, a girl? She's five. She's yeah. five. Yeah, she's, uh, she's the light of my life. <laughs> Do you have different rules for her than for uh, all the brothers? <laughs> is, it, is nobody's going to listen to this? Mama yeah. Is, <laughs> Mama is, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
<laughs> well, you want to believe that you don't in the sense that you want to treat your kids all equally. <laughs> but if I did, I think my ears will get hot because my wife's right there <laughs> looking at me. And she's, so I think I treat her with a little bit more delicate, you know, more delicate. She definitely softens me up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a very intense person mm-hmm. and she definitely softens me up. Mm-hmm. And to my defense, mm-hmm. I guess, I still try to instill in her every value that I instill in my children, you know, because for me, values are super important. Honor, integrity, respect, you know, that's that's huge in my book, okay? And we do that, but it's not just me. It's my, my wife backs me up, and if I didn't have her around, I couldn't really be sitting here with you talking about kids because she really does so much, really so much. And she leaves the table open for me to meet, for me to be able to be a father. With my daughter, yes, I do. I'm a little bit more delicate in the way that I treat her. You mentioned your wife, she's sitting there. What about being a husband? Well, being a husband is absolutely something that a man a warrior in my book has to prioritize because kids take up a lot of your time trying to be a great father, you know, trying to be someone that can truly, truly balance their life. Um, It's always a challenge. Um, So the way that I do this, and then we try to make dates, you know, we try to, you know, we we're fortunate enough that our children Um, We have family in the close vicinity, and we're able to leave the children with our family at at times for even if it is four or five hours to be able to take my wife out to dinner to, you know, either spend some time alone, even if it's as simple as walking in the water on the beach, you know, maybe with a glass of wine or something like that. That is one of the most important aspects that I believe a husband needs to do is definitely prioritize time with his wife. No doubt. Yeah. So how much pain you are willing to share with your wife? Emotional pain. You know, as men, we're taught to overcome pain. We're taught to overcome challenges. We're taught to penetrate through that pain. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer in that, mm-hmm. you know, the mindset to overcome pain. Mm-hmm. But in battle, right? In battle, in the battlefield. Mm-hmm. When it comes to sharing pain with my wife, honestly, I could do a much better job. Mm -hmm. I don't do a good job at that. And it's something that I struggle with all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think men in general have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. They have a problem to open up. So for me, it's not that she's not there for me, Mm -hmm. but it's more about me letting her see me weak. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. want that, right? I don't want her to see me weak. I want her to see me strong as that provider, as that individual. I'm the rock, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think that sometimes if I share that pain with her, she would see me a little bit different. So we didn't plan this, but <laughs> because we have you here, what do you think about what Rafa told us? That he thinks that if he opens up too much, that he can appear weak in front of you? Well, we both come from really traditional backgrounds. Mm-hmm. But the really nice thing about both of our families is that we both have very strong mothers, we both have very strong fathers. My father's mm-hmm. a pastor, his father's a physician. Mm-hmm. So they're in the business really of helping mm-hmm. people 
all the time. So we're like with our families, people have always come to his father, mm -hmm. you know, for help, for healing. People have come to my father for mm -hmm. help and for healing. Mm -hmm. And so, and our mothers have individually have been instrumental a part in supporting, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. their husbands, our fathers. Mm -hmm. So, um, I know it's important for him to be seen as a protector and a provider. And it's mm -hmm. important for me that my, that I can see my husband as a protector and a provider. Mm -hmm. But part of what I love about him is when he does share with me and he's not really big on words. No, he's definitely mm -hmm. bigger mm -hmm. on actions. Mm -hmm. But when he does share with me, what's so, um, what's so great is that it's like, okay, finally, you know, I can, I can be there for him. I can do something mm. besides, you know, cooking a meal or, you know, facilitating something for the children or for the business. So I can be there for him emotionally because it's really hard for him. It is hard for him because, you know, being on the street, you know, even a baby died in his arms. I didn't find out mm -hmm. about that for like three weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, it happened a few years ago and, wow. you know, certain things, you know, for, for men, it's like, there's a part of it where I guess, you know, people have PTSD or something like mm -hmm. that. And um, not that, you know, he, he doesn't have any of those issues or anything like that. But sometimes when you vocalize something, it makes it real. Mm -hmm. And he's so much of the mindset that we just have to push through this and then it's over with. And we do this and then it's over with. And then he's very disciplined like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, any challenge he faces, you know, he anything like deciding to become a police officer, anything he wants to do, he just, he decides he's going to mm -hmm. do it mm -hmm. and he goes past it. So, um, if it's a struggle that he's happening, you know, it's not really a struggle for that long. Mm -hmm. He'll figure out a way mm -hmm. through it. He'll figure out a way, you know, to get over it. And then maybe I'll hear about it a couple of days later. And it maybe was something that I didn't necessarily, mm -hmm. thank you. <laughs> I didn't necessarily, you know, need to hear about it. But, you know, he's definitely, I guess his mindset is that, and in a lot of ways, sometimes I guess he wants to protect me. Like I don't need, you know, he doesn't need anything. Just like, you know, maybe mm -hmm. something with the kids, maybe one of the older kids, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, had something going with a girlfriend or something like that. And, you know, I don't have to tell him everything, you know, it's okay. You can only hear the good stuff sometimes. Mm -hmm. yep. So, um, you know, I protect him from stuff, you know, too, I guess, in my own way. And I think also, great share. Yeah. Thank you. And, really. and, oh, and, you, you can stay if you want. <laughs> and, and I, th and I think that also, um, I think that the main thing here is that I'm, I'm on the street protecting all the time. Yes, of course. You know? So I'm constantly in that authoritarian mode, you know, that mindset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult at times to switch the hat mm -hmm. and to be able to tell those stories. Because what I see on the street is very bad things. I mean, I worked for before I worked. I work in another department now, but I worked over 10 years, mm -hmm. um, almost 10 years mm -hmm. at a uh, one of the most violent cities in all of this area. OK, actually in the country. And uh, I saw very bad things, very, very mm -hmm. bad things. And, you know, sharing it was almost impossible yeah, absolutely you know because <laughs> you know um it was, was there too. i get angry yeah absolutely yeah shut up yeah i get yeah the, i sometimes when he'll tell me a story about something that's happened at work mm -hmm. um i get confused because i think of my vigilant mind and mm -hmm. he has to think in terms of what the law is and his parameters with mm -hmm. the law and i just think as a mother what i would do and uh, it's definitely very different than what the law actually is so. so it's not that if we cry, we are weak. We were taught mm -hmm. not to cry. We were taught, yeah. I mean, that's the way I came up also. You and know, a man doesn't cry. And why there is so much uh, suicide out there between men and alcohol. How do you fight stress? I like to work out, but more mm -hmm. importantly, I like to teach. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, for me, teaching is, is an outlet. I think mm -hmm. that overall, 
um, when I teach and when I project that energy into teaching mm-hmm. and helping others, it's, it kind of de-stresses me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm constantly on the go, so I'm thinking on my feet all the time. Mm-hmm. And when I lay my head on the bed at night sometimes, I read every night. I've been reading since I was 12 years old every night. I have never missed one night. No way. Well, let me rephrase that. Maybe when you were pregnant and we had the baby, you know. Yeah, but for the most part, I have read every single night of my life. I make sure that I read 20 minutes to half hour before I go to bed, even if I'm getting one hour of sleep. I just, my mind is that way. That's the way that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's the way that I roll. And I read and I absorb books. I've read thousands of books. And for me, that is a de-stressor also. Mm-hmm. So between working out, teaching, mm-hmm. okay, and and remember one of the things that I didn't mention was that right now I work in a very mm-hmm. violent city in a very, very violent mm-hmm. area also where I could come in, do a 12-hour shift, and right after work I go teach kids that are between the ages of 6 and 10, 12 years old. Wow. So I have to turn my hat from being in this violence to being a good teacher for kids. kids, So it's difficult, no doubt about it. So you mentioned you're reading before you go to bed. What about in the morning? Do we have some morning rituals? Yes, morning rituals usually when my shift right now, I get up very early. Mm -hmm. I get up at like 3.45 in the morning Mm. to go to work. Okay, so I'm usually on my shift days. What I do is go to the uh, martial arts school. Mm -hmm. After everything is done, I'll do a little workout after that. But for the most part, my morning on my shift days is just Mm -hmm. going to work Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my entire day. But when I'm off, my ritual is I get up in the morning. I like to meditate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to sit and breathe for anywhere between 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. Just reflect on my day ahead. I also, the next thing that I like to do, I, I'll go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Okay. I work out in the gym. After I come back from the gym, my wife feeds me some very interesting concoctions mm-hmm. of minerals and mm-hmm. all sorts of, you know, vitamins. And, That's why he looks so. You know, so uh, she does that. I drink that, eat that, and I'm pretty much ready to go. I'm not a big breakfast eater, mm-hmm. so I kind of bypass breakfast. And then I'll get into my work zone, you know, whether it be responding to emails, whether it be talking to my team mm-hmm. for the website or, pod, or interviewing people for the podcast. So I have my entire month planned out what I need to do every single every single day. So usually at night when I'm done teaching, my favorite thing when I'm, you know, it's another de-stressor for me, is uh, I come home, I put my feet up, and my little five-year-old daughter just comes into <laughs> my arms, you know, and just lays there. We put on, uh, you know... I know people might say, oh, you watch TV, whatever. I watch TV. I watch probably, we watch movies all the time. Yeah. I enjoy it. You know, we enjoy it as a family, watching movies together. We're in the couch. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's our thing, you know, and we bond that way. We love movies. I'm not big into telling the kids, hey, you can't watch TV. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I'm, I'm not into that. You know, the reality mm-hmm. is it's going to be out there one way or the other. You can find things all over social media. Mm-hmm. Where did you meet her? I met her in a restaurant. Uh, I was a stockbroker. Mm-hmm. I was actually out with a bunch of stockbroker friends of mine. And, you know, stockbrokers are pretty loud and, you know, well-dressed guys, you know, <laughs> we're, we're out there. And I saw her walk up and I said, oh, I got to go 
speak to her. And with the, the second that I went and approached her. She was a guest in the... She was at the restaurant. So she mm -hmm. walked and then I met her on the way out and I basically started talking to her. And what, did, what did you say to her? Do you remember? I think the conversation was more like... Uh, he was really I was um, in advertising and we were doing a photo. We had just finished up a photo shoot mm -hmm. at the restaurant that where we were. And we were staying after to talk to the owner for a minute. And he was talking to the guy next to mm -hmm. me, that which is one of, some, one of the guys that I work with. So I guess he was talking to him to get to talk to me, but I didn't, I didn't really pick up. No, what was really... in your mind? What was in your mind? <laughs> oh, my mind was uh, to get to know her right off the bat. I, I said something pretty charming in front of her. What did you say? Huh? I don't remember exactly. But I like I this something. conversation. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I said something to the extent like, to the extent of, do you do you come here often or something like that? <laughs> that yeah, was, it was charming. It, it, you know, it, it was it was some it was something very where where I think you laughed at me and. Uh, well, actually, what it was was he started talking to me and it was it was almost it was around sunset time mm -hmm. and um, all of the guys you know they had on these sunglasses and I was, please that's right you yeah. did say something about my sunglasses and so I kind of made, when he started talking to me, I said, I said, oh, I guess I didn't get the memo. Like, I, I don't have on sunglasses like everyone else. And he goes, oh, sorry. And then he took off the little sunglasses and he had on glasses underneath. And I said, oh, no, I'm in trouble. Because I'm a sucker for glasses. He, he's wearing contacts now. Um, but yeah, he had little glasses on. And I was like, oh, he's, he has glasses. Yeah, and then I actually fell in love with him when I saw his library at home. So at his house, <laughs> I just- You fell in love with, with him when you saw him first? When, when I saw his library, at, as when we went to his house, and, you know. Yeah, how did you like, get to his house? Not, not that No, night. not then. No, not after. Just ask him. It was. No, after it, I met his parents. After we actually parents. talked that night. We talked for a long time. We In the talked, restaurant? Yeah, we talked yeah, for a very long time. time. Yeah, and he met my parents a couple of days later. Wow. And then, well, because I was kind of trying to scare him off a little bit, so I made him meet my parents. My dad's a pastor. And then wow. he said, well, I met your parents, now you have to meet mine. And I was like, wait, that didn't work, scaring you it's away. Too fast. And then, yeah, and then I met his parents. And, and then after that, we and were that together it. every single day. Yeah. And we were, that was in May. And then we were, he proposed in December and we were married in March. How did you know that she's the one? How could you know? Well, um, I think that overall it Where was. Where did you feel? <laughs> it was um, just the way she was very nurturing. Very nurturing. Very, she, Rachel's very, uh, she's just a very giving person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after talking to her and, and, you know, she made me laugh and she just was, you know, she was, she didn't expect anything back. Mm -hmm. She was very giving. I remember that you brought me at one time like food and, and things like she made things for me mm -hmm. and it was just sweet, sweet, very sweet. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but she was very smart. So that, I like that. You know, Still, yeah. <laughs> well, yes, but, but I'm saying like yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In, in that trend. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she was and I was like, darn, you know, she's beautiful, smart, funny. And she is a traditional girl, which was very difficult Important. to find. Very difficult. In um, Miami. <laughs> in my, yeah, yeah. Very traditional. And she came from a good family. You know, her, her parents are good people. And to me, that was worth worth a lot right there. And we fell in love rather quickly, and we spent every every day together. And in New York, I took her to New York in the middle of the snow in a in a 
uh, in, a, in a carriage, you know, I had it all planned uh -huh. out. He did. And, um, He's very romantic. And yeah. I asked her to wow. marry me. Yeah. Did you know that? That you're very romantic. Well, see, the thing is, what he always says is that children need discipline and that your wife needs spontaneity. Mm -hmm. So he, like, he tries very hard to be spontaneous mm -hmm. and to surprise me. He tries very, he's very disciplined. I do. That's that, good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like surprising her. I really do. I like surprising mm -hmm. her. I think it's... So tell me about something that's very meaningful. Um, well, I think that... Maybe you. Uh, yeah, well, I, I think that... Give some ideas for our audience. <laughs> because we men, we don't have these ideas. Yeah. I'm not so romantic, I must admit. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, is I guess, you know, anyone can, you know, for instance, anybody can learn. Like, you know, the martial arts and, uh, like, you know, self-defense and martial arts, you know, they're two different things. How do you learn to be romantic? Well, you have to, if you don't know, you have to. I mean, I, some people I, are, they, naturally, but I mean, I think, I think anybody can but we, give we, the air. I think most of the men, we have to teach how to be romantic. <laughs> I think that you have to be creative. Okay. Okay. I think you have to be creative. The reality is that we can, everyone can be romantic, even if you're not romantic, mm -hmm. you know, at a heart, but you can put yourself in a romantic moment. Mm -hmm. I think creativity, spontaneity okay. is very right. good. Now, uh, I'll give you an example. When I asked her to marry me, okay, mm -hmm. you know, I planned everything out. I made sure we went to a nice restaurant. I made sure that and she had no idea that I was going to ask her to marry her, of course. No there was no, no idea. So this was more like, hey, let's just go to My New York. And for me, I am, I am a romantic at heart. And what I mean by that is I like to be, I guess, the environment around me. Mm -hmm. I love to be, like, remember when we went to the play? And So the let me back up a little bit. I went, I set up a restaurant. From there, I knew that it was going to be, the, they were going to take us to the horse and carriage, which mm -hmm. was in, in uh, Central, Park. Central Park, okay? And we went in, we ate, we had a great time. She had no idea where we were going after that. And for me, my heart was like, dun, dun, you know, pumping so fast. And I knew at that moment that I was just like, this is what I want, I wanna feel this. And we went into the horse and carriage and we were riding into the horse and carriage and we were, you know, galloping. And then I remember it was snowing, you know, little flakes of snow, it was almost perfect mm -hmm. like like movie it was. and I went around in the front and I got on my knees and I asked her to marry me while we were moving and, and uh, mm -hmm. it was very powerful at that moment and it's really hard to top but it's definitely hard to top that for sure. yeah and it was all and it was something that was almost surreal it was mm -hmm. almost like you couldn't believe it I mean mm -hmm. The next day we went to a play and we were out in, you know, in the middle of New York City and like we had, we jumped on a guy that was the bicycle, uh, he was doing the, uh, um, you know, how they ride the bicycles, the yeah, and, and you sit in the back, because we were running late for the play and we were, um, and we just were in the middle of, you know, Manhattan, everything was going around us and, and just having her in my arms and it was just cold and, oh, that was, to me, that was perfection. Yeah, what's, what's, I think uh, one of the things about being romantic mm -hmm. is that it's not just those times. It's all the other times. It's when he puts gas in my car. Like for me, you know, that's romantic. Mm. Believe it or not, that's romantic. It's, um, I'm not really big, you know, I'm not one of those women. You have to help with the dishes because, okay. you know, I'm not one of those. Um, mm -hmm. Or, you know, I don't let him cook. I mean, maybe he'd want to sometime, but I don't, mm -hmm. you know, that's not the way that we do mm -hmm. things. Um, 
but he knows that it's, you know, putting gas in my car to me, you know, that's romantic. You know, picking up his socks off the floor to me, believe it or not, that's romantic. Getting me a glass, handing me that, that melted my heart, you know. So with certain things, if you know people, like if you know their love language, you know, not every woman, their love language is, you know, flowers and a trip and things like that. You have to know what their love language is. You have to know, for instance, you know, some women just words of affirmation. You know, I believe in you. You look nice. You're a great mom. You know, to a one woman, that might be the same thing as, you know, mm -hmm. getting flowers. Another girl, maybe her father always spoiled her with jewelry. So you're never going to be able to top that. I mean, mm -hmm. I have girlfriends like that. So their husband can never top what their, what their father did. Mm -hmm. But the way that, you know, my father always set things up is, you know, he was always, I'm the youngest of four girls, so he was always very generous mm -hmm. with us. But we always knew that it was going to be our husband's job one day to do all the things that, you know, our father was doing to protect and provide and give us gifts, mm -hmm. you know, all mm -hmm. those things. Mm -hmm. But it's really important, you know, he knows my love language, he knows what that is, and it's not, you know, you know, trips are great and everything, like, he's more of a big, you know, a big, uh, I guess you'd say, like, a big um, gesture mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm, you know, it's amazing, and I definitely enjoy it, but I'm not necessarily that type of person, you know, all the time, like, little, for me, little things. How long do you know each other right now? 16 years. 16? Mm -hmm. What is the secret recipe for long-term relationship for you? Ask our parents. <laughs> Ask our parents, I guess. I mean, I mean mm -hmm. both of our parents have been married. I mean, how long? Your, your parents just celebrated 50 years and my wow. parents are Wow, congratulations married. to them. Yeah. Um, so what, what do you think that this, it is their secret recipe? Your parents' secret recipe and your... I really think is communication and just really believing in mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that sometimes people grow and they separate. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of, and don't get me, I don't, don't want to say this the wrong way, and people start saying, well, no, but I'm very straightforward. Mm -hmm. You know, just mm -hmm. like I speak, I'm very yeah. frank. You know, I think that sometimes the separation of, you know, the woman and the man, you know, they start stemming because the woman wants to outdo the man in business. The man wants to outdo the woman in business. And then you start separating. And I see this often where it's a competition between the two. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, my business is doing better than yours. My business is doing better than yours. So there's a disconnect there. Instead of being together and being solid, right, and believing in each other, mm -hmm. um, that disconnect happens in our society. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, and, and I also, and I go back to emasculation of men. Mm -hmm. And they get to the point where men just say, okay, you know what? I, I don't want to do this anymore. And they back off, right? And I think when you back off, that's when the marriage mm -hmm. starts going one way. Mm -hmm. And that's how marriages end. And I think that if, I'm not, I don't have the recipe, but I can tell you that if you believe in each other, and you understand that you are in this game together, mm -hmm. that you are together as one, your marriage will continue thriving for many, many years. I can tell you that my parents have been like that and her parents have been like that. Well, also, mm -hmm. I, mean, I think that the key to a loving relationship, any type of loving relationship, but especially marriage, is love and respect. And so many people say to a man, oh, well, you have to treat how you treat your wife someday. Someone's going to treat your daughter like that. So you have to treat your wife well. But people never say that. Mm -hmm. How you treat your son someday, would you be okay with his future wife treating him one day like treat you him. treat your husband? People never give that mm -hmm. analogy. And right. um, it's we're raising men. We have boys. You know, we're raising mm -hmm. men. And I'm very careful that they have a good example of how one day 
a woman should treat them and also how, you know, they should treat a woman. And it's very important. It's not just to say, you know, you have to act with respect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you have to model that. And, you know, people always tell, oh, your husband, oh, you have to love your wife. You have to do this. But people don't necessarily always tell women that just like, for instance, if someone were to say to me, oh, well, do you, do you love your husband? Yeah, I love him. Well, do you respect him? Well, mm-hmm. no. But if someone said that the other way, if someone said, do you love your wife? No. Do you respect her? Yeah. Well, that would break my heart. And the mm-hmm. other way around, the respect mm-hmm. thing, that would break his heart. And knowing that when a woman, man says, I love you to a woman, and a woman says, I respect you to a man, and that's a man's version of respect. And the thing is, respect doesn't always mean that mm-hmm. I have to say yes and he gets his way. It's Respect isn't a bad word. Mm-hmm. It's knowing that, you know, when I give you the respect and I allow you to, you know, I allow him to make the decision, he bears all the brunt of that. Mm-hmm. It's like, for instance, if we're going to Disney World, not like this ever happened, and he wants to take I-95, and I say, take the turnpike because it's faster. And we're not going to, I say, I'm not going to die on this hill. I'm not going to argue about it. You know, take whatever way you want to take. But if we get there 10 minutes late for the reservations, don't be angry. So it's, you know, just like with little things, it's, you know, the respect factor Mm -hmm. is people, you know, forget, especially now, Mm -hmm. that's an issue with, you know, men being emasculated. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it shouldn't be a fight. Certain things like that, you know, shouldn't Mm -hmm. be a fight to, you know, just give the love and respect. And and don't get get us wrong. I mean, we argue. Absolutely. Okay. So who we is, argue, who and is. sometimes we argue heated. Uh, I have strong beliefs. She has strong beliefs, and we don't. Our beliefs are, don't go apart, mm-hmm. but it might be about a specific subject. It might be about a specific something very specific. But in the end, you have to understand that just because you are together doesn't mean that everything that I see and that I believe in, she's going to back mm-hmm. me a hundred percent. Okay, she's going to have her views and I'm going to have my views at time. You just have to learn to kind of bring it together and be okay with it. I mean, you know, there are a lot of worse things in life. Now, I'm going to go back a little bit and I want to Mm -hmm. tell you something else about. Mm -hmm. I think also because you asked me a question earlier about marriage itself and why some of these marriages don't last. I think also that because the emasculation of men and because men cannot protect Mm -hmm. their families. A woman immediately can see my husband, that this person that I love, for whatever reason, is not being a protector. It's, It's not protecting us. And you can sit here and talk about this all day long, but the reality is that a woman needs that. Security. She needs that security, that sure footedness Mm -hmm. in her relationship. From my experience, the relationships that I have seen gone down is because typically the man is, as we discussed earlier, the man that kind of hides in the corner, that doesn't step up for his family, that doesn't protect his family, that doesn't even hidden in the background. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I see that over and over again, and I believe that is a cause mm-hmm. for many marriages to go south. In 2017, I gained around... 3.2 million followers on social media. I earned more money than ever and got so many new opportunities. If you want to know how you can do that, download my free manual, Social Media Warrior, at www.warriorfamily.com. Confident men? How, how to become more confident men? Is this one way that you go into the martial arts? That could be one part? Well, or it's, it's well, also other thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, martial arts is very good at mm-hmm. teaching self-confidence. It's not the only way, mm-hmm. but I believe it's a very strong vehicle. Mm-hmm. I really do believe that. However, 
when you turn off the lights mm -hmm. and you start walking around and saying, well, how can I really become self-confident? It really comes from within, right? Mm -hmm. It really comes from inside of mm -hmm. you. And that self-confidence is not something that you're born with. It's something that you are taught, something that you have experienced mm -hmm. and has forged you, has forged that self-confidence, or believe it or not, something that you have read, right? Mm -hmm. That you studied and you followed a certain structure behind mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Now, how you get that self-confidence and how you strengthen that self-confidence every single day of your life you must i don't care what type of challenges you have in front of you make it a point that you overcome them that you break through little barriers and those little barriers that you're breaking through every single day even if they're minor little tasks mm -hmm. you start getting a little bit more confident every time you win a battle There's a lot of people that are very articulate and have very, very deep philosophies of self-confidence. I'm telling you, okay, right off the bat, from my experience, okay, that self-confidence is developed through winning small battles daily. Mm -hmm. And obviously, the stronger you become, the more you're going to be able to put out there. It's a very powerful thing once you start overcoming things and overcoming these challenges. And remember, I've interviewed hundreds of guys, elite warriors mm -hmm. that have been in battle. Um, myself, I have been out on the street. I have been in, you know, gunfights. I, I mean, I have been, I have fought for my life many times. And that self-confidence comes from that, mm -hmm. even from your failures, because you know that if you failed, you're going to try it again and get stronger. Mm -hmm. And it's going to build that self-confidence within you. Let's go back a little bit to the conclave of warriors. Only for men event or women are welcome to? Oh no, every everyone is welcome. You're gonna welcome. be there. We have we have actually uh -huh. probably twenty percent of the women are twenty percent or more are women. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Because you didn't promote any women speaker. Are you thinking about um, to bring somebody in the yeah. future? In the yeah. future? Yeah. yeah. In the future I am and I was asked, "Hey, why?" Well, initially I wanted remember when I started the Men of War was specifically for, for men. men yeah. You know, and I wanted our first one to be something geared coming out of these battle mm -hmm. tested men. And sincerely, I felt the synergy between these guys mm -hmm. was very powerful. Yeah. And on stage, I really believe that is going to be a very powerful and dynamic way to get that message mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. And so I was very specific on who I brought together. Mm -hmm. so this wasn't just like, hey, yeah. let's use yeah. who will come. No, I'm very specific on who I brought. But yes, in the future, mm -hmm. I absolutely will have, mm -hmm. will bring in uh, female speakers, no doubt about it. So what you will teach them at the event? What skills? Only soft skills or business skills? Too? Well, this is going to be a well-rounded event. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about strengthening the mindset. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about self-confidence, how to mm -hmm. create self-confidence, how to instill self-discipline mm -hmm. in your life, mm -hmm. Okay, which is something that's lacking nowadays. All right. How to lead yourself and how to lead mm -hmm. others around you. We're going to talk a little bit about fitness, mm -hmm. um, how important it is in your life. And we're also going to discuss about, I'm going to go personally deep into what the warrior mindset is mm -hmm. all about mm -hmm. and how somebody could really affect and implement that warrior mindset in their business mm -hmm. and in their 
regular life. In the end, it's going to be an event that's going to be for entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and it's going to be for warrior minded individuals. Because mm -hmm. in my book, an entrepreneur is a warrior, right? Mm -hmm. You're out there <laughs> fighting every day. Every day, there are battles in life. So I believe that these guys that are battlefield tested and along with guys that are businessmen, businesswomen, that connection is right there. You mm -hmm. cannot separate the two. So what is warrior mindset? Warrior mindset to me, in the way that I translate it, in the way that I believe in my heart what it is, okay? The warrior mindset is about strength in your heart. The type of strength that is unwavering. Mm -hmm. The type of strength and the power that you put out by focusing on whatever might be in front of you and mm -hmm. overcoming it. And overcoming whether it be challenges, obstacles. And once you apply that element, okay, that powerful element that we all have, your warrior mindset will get stronger and stronger and stronger. So it's all about overcoming challenges. It's all about just crushing through whatever is in your way and making it happen. Now, the warrior mindset also has an aspect which is crucial. It's about taking action. You cannot have warrior mindset and not take action. You can't be sitting here and letting things happen over there. Like it, there's no connection there. So the warrior mindset really, it's implemented in its full implementation in daily life is taking action and overcoming constant challenges. Mm -hmm. How can somebody get the piece of the warrior mindset from you? You have this warrior breed academy or how? Yes, we have starting next year. Okay, mm -hmm. it's a Warrior Breed Academy. Mm -hmm. It's going to be four nights, five days. Uh, we're going to go to a remote area. Mm -hmm. This is going to be only for men. This is the first okay. Warrior Breed camp. It's going to be only for men. We're going to be basically implement our warrior mindset through the entire stay there. We're going to talk about a little bit about business. But more importantly, we're going to show you, mm -hmm. okay, how to go in front of people, how to talk, right? How to talk in front of people. We're going to show you techniques and tactics to defend yourself. We're going to show you how you can overcome obstacles. There's going to be a bunch of different obstacle courses that we're going to integrate into this four-day, uh, into this five-day camp. Mm -hmm. We're talking about water rafting, we're talking about zip lining, we're talking about just mm -hmm. different major obstacles. Mm -hmm. We're going to teach knife fighting, hand-to-hand -hand combat, firearms. Uh, we're going to teach you how to um, basically how to speak what we call field dominion, mm -hmm. which is part of the, the warrior development. Okay, field dominion is how do you carry yourself in business? How do you carry yourself in life? It's about that self-confidence mm -hmm. attitude, self-confident attitude. In this four to five day, we're going to have a sleep deprivation cycle, mm -hmm. which is going to be an entire day and night into the next morning with no sleep. And it's going to be about a brotherhood, about building and leading your brothers mm -hmm. through these obstacles and through these challenges. It's going to be a mind-boggling, powerful event for men. All right. Who is going to lead the camp? You? you Myself, some... or we're going to have some other uh -huh, instructors. Some... Yeah, we're going to have a, a cadre of six instructors, battle-tested instructors, all guys that uh, are, have been there mm -hmm. and have done that, no doubt. What is the biggest challenge right now you're facing in your business? It's notoriety, getting it out there, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. More people need to know about it. Mm -hmm. The most difficult thing is, you know, with social media, and my goal is to get my this brand out to quality people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not big into having, you know, people to follow you and like you, whatever, just for the sake of it. I want good quality mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. I rather 
you know, the way that it's developed right now, it's developed very powerfully. Uh, we were getting a very strong, mm-hmm. powerful element coming in, but I want the quality person to come in, mm-hmm. you know, meaning the person that's really looking to change their life. And that is the biggest struggle of this business is really getting that person mm-hmm. to kind of find out about us. I have last question, which I call power message or last message. Now we have both husband and wife oh, on the show. I can. So who, no, 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 no. Just stay here. <laughs> stay here. The power message goes like this. Just pretend you only have five seconds to live. What message would you send to your kids that they would remember till the rest of their lives? Something that would stick with them, inspire them, make them a better person. Who goes first? Ladies first in my book. Ladies first. Values are the most important thing. Keep your values. That's what I would say to them because if they have their values and they can do anything else, it means their life is going to be, if they were, keep your values, remember where you came from. They remember where they came from, then they'll know that we have standards, that we have values. And if they have that, then they'll be fine in their marriage. They'll be fine in their, you know, with money. They'll be fine with their mm-hmm. friends. They'll be fine in business. They'll be, be able to do anything if they can, if they have good values, if they have integrity, if they have good values, mm-hmm. if they have, if they believe their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Be, remember where you came from and believe your beliefs. Mm. That's what, yeah. Powerful. That's what I would say. You are I would, I would say... Maintain honor always, okay? Never forget integrity, and most important, help others. Wow. Thank you very much. Thank you. Great to to be on on my show. Pleasant surprise. Yeah. So, (laughs) my friends, find your values, create your values, live your values, be honored. Of what? Be honored about life. Be honored, you know, have that honor with you all the time. Have that honor with you all the time. And I'm going to see you on the next show. And make sure you check Conclave of Warriors. Go to the event. Listen to the Man of War podcast. And I will see you there. Bye-bye. Resources from this interview are available online. Visit www.warriorfamily.com and download the free book Lessons from Millionaires with all the resources mentioned in the interview. If you want to be a warrior who has it all, visit www.warriorfamily.com and download my ebooks for free. Learn all about warrior productivity, habits, mindset, marketing and sales strategies, confidence boosters and many other things. I promise that you won't be disappointed. More valuable content is waiting for you on my social media profiles. Instagram, Smillion Mori, YouTube and Facebook, Smillion Mori, Warrior Family, Twitter, Smillion Mori, and LinkedIn, Smillion Mori.